0: Amy Carroll.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 23rd episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com or thevoiceamerica.com business channel and be sure to download the app or on any of your favorite devices for listening to your apps. If you missed last week's show, I interviewed fellow improviser Vicky Lazar. We discussed how improvisational exercises which make performers successful on stage help business professionals to be to I'd rather develop multiple skills. And those skills range greatly. Here are some examples building creativity, greater collaboration, a willingness to take risks, increasing psychological safety, developing flexible leadership. So if that piques your curiosity, be sure to check out that episode from January 29th for the love of improv. And you may even discover a little known fact about a kangaroo from Trenton. Now today I'm flying solo. And so I was thinking what would I be inspired to talk about? And what came up for me was the topic of self-confidence. This is something that comes up a lot with my clients. And so we're going to be talking about how to boost and build your confidence in 2021 and beyond. And I'll be sharing some of my own experiences and challenges with self-confidence over the course of mostly my business career and what I did to increase it. I'll Also, and this may be even particularly interesting for you, I'll be sharing three short video or rather audio interviews I did with clients, um, which I believe will offer you some inspiration and perhaps roadmaps for raising your own self-confidence. Now, what I did first was because some of the terms that come up for people when they're feeling they're lacking self-confidence is I feel like an imposter, or I feel like a fraud. So let's start with the concept of imposter syndrome. Wikipedia defines imposter syndrome as a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. hmm I'm wondering if that rings any bells for people listening. Yep. Pretty much everyone I know has experienced at some point imposter syndrome, so you're not alone. In my opinion and experience, the imposter syndrome surfaces whenever I'm taking on a new challenge, whether it's the first time I've coached a senior leader or the first time I was in a master of ceremonies for a multinational client's annual event or the first time I hosted this radio show. And I've seen the same pattern repeat itself with many friends and colleagues, whether they transitioned into a new career or they got a promotion or even starting a new relationship. One of the typical areas I focus on with my clients is public speaking. So this is riddled with people feeling like imposters. And what I'd like to do now is uh, play a short audio video, audio video. No, let me try that again. Audio recording an interview I did with the client of mine, Angelos, a couple of years ago. Listen in as Angelos explains how confidence brings trust, and trust brings results. Today, I'm speaking with Angelos Chizas, who I met this summer while giving a training at Johnson Johnson. Welcome, Angelos. Great to have you on the call today.
2: Good evening, Kami. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: Pleasure. And now, you and I met in July when I was doing this half-day workshop because you were preparing for a TEDx talk that took place last month, right?
2: That's right. And I would like to thank you very much for this amazing training that we had together. Because Pleasure. I really managed to see all the effects of this training on stage.
1: Okay. Tell us.
2: Yeah, of course the first thing that I managed to implement and was very important was that they managed to keep my feet grounded on the stage. Bravo. Demonstrating, yeah, that I have the right confidence to address my audience by looking them with very good eye contact without doing any eye scanning as I used to do in the beginning.
1: Okay, so the confident planting your feet and holding eye contact has increased your ability to project more confidence.
2: Absolutely, and nice. feel that I am able to captivate my audience at the end of the day. Yeah, excellent. And do you remember probably the issue that I had with my voice that I was afraid of rising the sound of it? Yeah, yeah.
1: You were very hesitant to speak loud.
2: Exactly, I was very hesitant to do it. After working a lot during the session, I managed to keep the optimum level of uh, sound during the session, and that helped me a lot to be able to pass the right messages with the right feelings to the audience.
1: Brilliant. Well, congratulations. And now does it feel still uncomfortable or awkward to speak with a loud volume or does it feel more
3: natural?
2: No, now it is really more natural. Probably you really already understand it. It changes a lot. After taking into consideration your guidelines and practicing and rehearsal, this becomes like a new habit that you're keeping in everyday communication.
1: And Angelos, do you have a sense of how long it took you to get from the point where it was uncomfortable to now feeling natural?
2: I think this entire journey for the TEDx uh, preparation helped me. If I should uh, put it into a timeline, I could say that one month time of rehearsing and practicing, of course, it is a still a live process that every time you find opportunities and you find, issues to, cases to improve.
1: Got it. And in that one month time, how often were you practicing during the week?
2: Daily. I oh. was practicing daily. And in any case, like walking and talking on your own, the most important thing was also bringing at the talk to some people that you feel comfortable with and that you can be vulnerable, that you're not afraid of being exposed in order to, to see how the thing changes when you have an audience because it is very different.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
2: So, yes, confidence brings trust, and trust brings results. So Wow, every-
1: congratulations. That's really well said because that's the bottom line in the end is getting results.
2: Exactly. This is what we are evaluated every
1: day at. And Angelos, before I let you go, I have one last question for you. What is one tip that you have for listeners to be a more powerful presenter?
2: Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse (laughs) at any time and at any place. This is my only advice.
1: Brilliant. So, you know, for me, it was what struck me listening to that interview again was how simple it is. He did really concrete, really specific things, grounding his feet cluing them to the, the 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 stage, his eye contact, and in as a way to engage the audience. And then it, most of all, especially, which was huge for Angelus, was his volume of his voice. Because when we speak louder, the general tendency is we sound more confident. And what we heard from him, okay, this is going to be a theme, folks, so you're going to be hearing this again about rehearsing and practicing. Here's a story of the first time I was coaching a senior leader. I had traveled to Paris with my colleague because we were co-coaching this guy. In fact, we, as my colleague, uh, Robbie, we used this strategy of working together early on in our careers uh, several times. And it was just this great strategy for managing our nervousness. It was good to have a partner in crime as a way to settle our nerves. Though, the morning of our first coaching session, we had scheduled to start very early because, you know, this, this is a busy guy. So I think the session was starting at 6.30 in the morning. Here's the bad news. I've never been a morning person. And unfortunately, I did not set my alarm correctly. Yeah, you can see where this is heading, right? I happened to wake up by chance, checking the time and discovering that I had approximately seven minutes to get dressed and meet my colleague in the conference room for the first coaching session with this very intimidating senior leader. And what fascinated fascinated me the most was what happened to my brain. I walked over to my suitcase to get dressed and I looked inside my suitcase (laughs) and I knew there was some item that I needed to put on my feet, except I couldn't think of the word for socks. And I guess my brain was so stressed is because I couldn't think of the word, I couldn't even find the item. The stress overwhelmed my brain so much that the normal functioning just ceased The thing is, if that had happened to me after several years of being a coach, let's say, you know, wasn't one of my first coaching contracts, wasn't early in my career, I don't think my brain would have had such an intense reaction. Remember the definition from Wikipedia, psychological impact. Sure, I would have been stressed about being late, though a lot of my fear was generated because I was new to coaching. And I remember having this thought, oh, my God. I'm late and now he's going to know I'm a fraud. <laughs> like somehow being late, you know, cause y- y- you feel, Oh, I'm, I must, I'm not professional. I must not know what I'm doing. Now, happily we ended up working with this guy for, I think about three years. And after a good four, six months, we were able to laugh about this with him. <laughs> now, Another time when the imposter syndrome reared its ugly head was about 12 years ago, when I was asked to be the master of ceremonies for my multinational client's annual event. I had never emceed an event before, and I always wanted to. This was an all-day event taking place in Istanbul with one speaker after another, and we had about... I think a hundred people in the audience. In order to prepare for it, I did some research and I got some guidance from a number of experienced MCs. One of those experienced MCs was my brother, Kevin. He gave me great suggestions and tips, though I remained anxious nonetheless. And I remember him saying, you know, Amy, really, honestly, it's not that difficult. You'll be fine. And yet that didn't seem to be enough to calm my fears. I wanted to believe Kevin. Problem is I had no evidence that I would be successful. So the day came and went, it was stressful. I felt anxious and definitely felt like an imposter throughout the event. The good news, along with the learning and the advice from others, I applied my own coaching advice, which was act as if. I had to remind myself, Amy, no one knows what's going on inside your head. And as long as you don't show them what's happening on and going on and happening in the inside, all they have to go on is what they're seeing on the outside. So act as if you're an experienced master of ceremonies. So what this meant specifically was keep my body calm. Keep my voice strong. Have a warm smile. Direct eye contact. And just deal with the next thing in front of me. So in order so my brain wouldn't be racing, that's what I did. Stay focused on just the next thing. And miracle of miracles, it was a big success. And they were delighted with me. Amazingly, my brother Kevin was right. It technically wasn't that hard. It was just all the stress of the unknown. As a result, the MC gig I did was pure delight. And I have done multiple ones since then. And it's each time. It doesn't mean they haven't been without error or mistake, though I haven't had the same level of stress and anxiety of, oh, they'll think I'm a fraud. I guess like many of us, you've experienced multiple moments of imposter syndrome over the last 10 to 12 months, perhaps. Could be stepping into the role of homeschooling teacher while simultaneously managing new technology, all the while having to appear calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, give me a shout out if you're hearing that bell ring. Now, if your confidence didn't waver with all those unplanned changes and challenges, congratulations, this is rare indeed. It could be due to your regularly practicing and adaptive thinking and behavior when dealing with the unexpected. Improv, anyone? Mm-hmm. For the rest of us, it may have felt like a bit of a shit show. So, whenever we're learning a new skill, there's always going to be a learning curve. So, if you're like you want an injection of confidence while ejecting your inner imposter, I'm going to offer you some suggestions. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, I'll go through this three, I'm going to call it a three and a half step process. (laughs) And you'll see how you can boost your own confidence. All right. Stay tuned. Be back shortly.
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america do you have colleagues family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected mistreated or annoyed by others as a no-nonsense communication coach trainer speaker and author amy carroll may have a solution for you for over 35 years amy has studied status and power dynamics what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit CarolCoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice
3: America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy.
1: Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Okay, so you ready for this injection of confidence? Step one, you want to accept the reality Whenever we're faced with a new skill or something we've never done before, we'll most likely feel like an imposter or fraud. There's pretty much no way of getting out of this. And that could happen the first, second, or third time you're doing that skill. Like even for me, for this radio show, um, one of the things that helped me, th- this I started the radio show last September in 2020. And before that, I started doing Facebook Lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever done a Facebook Live. If you're used to a live audience, face-to-face, or even virtual, you feel like you're just talking to a black hole. It's, it was a disaster. It was a nightmare the first and second time I did it. And already by the third time, I think partly because I was more prepared for it, and I, was, I, and I had taken some things into consideration, it was already that much easier. And as a result, it's made the, doing this radio show easier. Though the imposter syndrome comes back a little bit, like when I'm doing these solo shows when I don't have a, um, someone else to interview and banter with. So it's still a little bit of that. Oh yeah, there's a black hole out there. You don't, you know, you just feel like you're just talking to yourself pretty much, and so. By rehearsing and practicing and doing multiple times the Facebook Lives, that's already helped me to feel more chilled out. Not 100% yet, getting there. Okay, so this acceptance will help to relax the judging self-critical part of your brain. And when you do that, the result is you induce self-empathy. And when we're commerce, so like, you know, uh, when I was preparing for today's solo show, I'm reminding myself, oh well, yeah, Amy, it's going to be for a, perhaps going to be more intense, more stressful. And I had some strategies for uh, rehearsing and reviewing some notes and such. So that helped me to just chill out. And I also y- use the improv approach of something I'm going to talk about next. Step two, and this is This is where it's part A and part B. So part A, step two is when possible, practice the new skills with the intention to fail miserably. I know that doesn't seem like, it doesn't really make sense. Do it in low stress, low stakes situations. And then the second part of this is when you've made the mistake, dig yourself out of the failure right in the moment. The tendency is to stop and replay until it's perfect. Don't do that. That's a different type of practice rehearsal, that's fine. Though what we want you to do is you wanna force yourself to deal with the mistake as if you're dealing with it in real life. And the purpose is twofold. One, you get comfortable with failure. I'm not saying you're gonna love it, (laughs) though you're gonna get comfortable with it and you're developing your resiliency and your skills under pressure. So um, there is a, a game in improv called change. In fact, on the episode from uh, June, January 29th, where I interviewed Vicky, we did this game called change. And I started off telling a story and every so often she'd yell change. And so maybe I had to change the location or the name of someone or the, their, um, what the activity was they were doing. I never knew when she was going to say change, so I couldn't prepare in any way. So I had to have a very flexible attitude. So you can play this game with friends, family, car trips, whenever you're bored, Um, and what you'll be doing as a benefit is developing that resiliency and that flexibility and that ability to manage things that are being thrown at you um, that might be unexpected. Step three, revisit both successes and failures and apply Marshall Goldsmith's feed forward model. So this is a a guy who's a leadership coach. And if you want to, you can go on my website and find the two-minute video that I did about his feed-forward model. And that's carolcoaching.com. I'll tell you right now what it is. So if you have a pen, you can write this down and you'll be able to remember it. Part one is what worked well. And then part two is even more effective when. So let's say you were rehearsing a presentation. And now with Zoom, you can you know hit the record button and you've got a video, boom, bada bing, bada boom, right there, and you can get even more input if you're willing to and, and brave to do it because it's kind of intimidating. And you, you very clearly just identify, well, what did I do that worked well? Oh, I was smiling when I was looking at the audience. I explained the concept in a very crisp and concise manner. Uh, all right, you know, so you identify all things are working well because the, you, you got to spend your time doing that because that's also important for the confidence. And then you ask yourself, what can I do to be even more effective next time? Notice it's, you didn't say what went wrong or what was a mistake. What can I do to be even more effective next time? So this is getting your brain in that forward motion. This will reinforce what's working and identify what to do differently in the future. So that is Marshall Goldsmith's feed-forward model, which I highly recommend. Practicing these steps will enable you to reclaim and strengthen your confidence, so you'll be better prepared for the unseen and for new challenges going forward. All right, what I want to do now is play for you the second audio clip, and this this one's called Confidence Rising with Giorgio. So listen in as Giorgio talks about how he identifies and practices his skills to be even more effective and increase his confidence in how he's showing up. Today, I'm speaking with Giorgio Giannatasio. And Giorgio and I met this summer when I was giving a training at Shire. He's the head of the Global Medical Lead of Immunology. Welcome, Giorgio.
4: Hello, Hemi. How are you?
1: I'm good. Great to have you on the podcast today.
4: Great to be here. Thanks.
1: Giorgio, I know that you've shared with me in the past successes you've had applying some of the skills that you were working on during the Leadership Presence course. I wonder if you'd be willing to share some of those practice skills that you've been moving to mastery.
4: Yes, Amy. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about it. First, I would like to say that the coaching sessions we had with you were really eye-opening in terms of allowing me to note some leadership behaviors that I realize really make a difference when, for example, presenting to public.
1: Cool. So give me some details.
4: Yes, I realized on myself first that for example, I was not necessarily using the best posture Uh when presenting. I used to have a base of speaking that was too fast in some cases. Yeah. And I was using a lot what is called the filler sound. So ah, the famous filler sound, yes. Making the sound between words. Right. That was probably coming from trying to speak too fast. So after going through the coaching sessions with you and realizing how these behaviors could have been improved, I start practicing myself. Uh-huh. And i also starting to note other speakers.
1: Right. We're,
4: were applying these behaviors. Okay. so and I realized.
1: Thanks for letting me interrupt you. Let's break it down. You said you realized something. Let's talk about the posture. What did you realize about the posture?
4: I realized that I was first in looking at others presenting, for example. I realized that people who were standing with, for example, the arms Lining at the sides of the body. Just to so relax at the
1: sides instead of in front. front of them.
4: Yes, they, they appeared as more in control of the stage of the presentation, of what they were saying, comparing to other people who were using the hands, the arms, and moving the body more
1: in effective way.
4: Yes. Got it. So I, th- that helped me also. Realizing how I could have practiced more, I started to do it. And I have to say that I feel now more comfortable in using that posture when presenting compared to what I used to feel some weeks ago.
1: Okay, so you're telling me that you were literally practicing keeping your hands to the sides in different circumstances.
4: I did. I did in very normal daily situations like waiting for the train, for example.
1: Uh-huh. Oh and when else were you would you practice this?
4: While presenting actually when speaking okay. with others. So in the real situation or even in uh, speaking in a more informal manner with colleagues or friends. Uh-huh. Until I felt that I was much more comfortable I was probably not even realizing in some cases that I was assuming that posture. So it was not something that I was imposing, but I was feeling more natural
2: for me.
1: So you're saying that after you moved it to a level of mastery where you could keep your hands at your sides, whether it was a formal presentation or just talking with friends socially, you actually felt more comfortable than before. Did I get that right?
4: Completely right. I, I realized that in some cases I was feeling more comfortable in having that posture than how i used to feel before when i was assuming other postures amazing it made me feel more as an owner and confident with Ah. what i was doing in that situation
1: that's so cool to hear that so now i know that people listening are are now wondering okay how long did it take you so how frequently did you practice and over what period of time did you practice
4: it was not immediate
1: uh, bef- yeah, okay, before it became mastery. So that's the level of measure. So how much time would you say?
4: As I said, it was not immediate, I have to, to say. Right. It took me some weeks, something between one and two months. Okay. To move from feeling completely uncomfortable in doing it until I felt that I can do it in a normal situation without feeling any embarrassment, any sense of being Uncomfortable with the posture
1: got it. So you explain situations you practiced in formal presentations while waiting for the train Talking to friends socially how many times a day or how many minutes a day? Do you think you were practicing
4: every time that I had the opportunity to and I realized that was the opportunity to practice so Something between one two times per day until probably five six ten Times per day wow. it was not really planned to do it. I was trying to capture any situation where I could have done and could have practiced that.
1: Got it. And now I know you also said that you were working on pace and the speed you're speaking as well as getting rid of filler sounds. Tell me about those practices.
4: Yes, Emmy. so the process was exactly the same. I realized how these behaviors could have been improved while we were doing the coaching sessions together. Then I also started to note these behaviors in other people Mm -hmm. while they were speaking or presenting in a more or less formal situation. And I realized also in that case that I was feeling that the people who were using these behaviors appear as more comfortable, as more solid, as more owner and confident with what they were saying with the situation. Brilliant. That became an additional incentive for me to practicing either in less formal situations, for example, in speaking with colleagues in the office, as well as in more formal situations when I had to present. So I felt that there was a process of learning and improvement really happening in the last months since the coaching sessions.
1: That's great to hear, Giorgio. Congratulations. What I'm hearing, (laughs) one of the huge benefits that you're walking away with is this sense of increased confidence in yourself and the way you're showing up.
4: Yes, absolutely. And I try to convey this confidence as I feel confidence in leaders who use these behaviors themselves.
1: Right, you see it modeled and you think if it's working for them, it's going to be working for me.
4: <laughs> That's the hope and the belief,
2: yes.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Georgie. before I let you go, I have one question.
2: Please.
1: I'd like you to give the listeners a, one tip or suggestion that you've discovered for stepping into partner. What would you recommend to the listeners?
4: Practicing and don't feeling that the initial sense of feeling uncomfortable because you are doing something new is an obstacle to put in practice the behaviors because by practicing them i realized that it is much more natural than what i thought initially
1: okay so be willing to allow yourself to be in that discomfort until you move, can move it to a level of mastery is what i'm hearing
4: absolutely it's the step necessary to get to that level right. If you are not there yet
1: and Giorgio, I know that before I started recording our discussion, you and I were talking about the downward inflection, that you're still working on that. So a gift I would like to give you is to check out newsletter number 42 on my website. And this is a whole newsletter dedicated specifically to mastering the downward inflection. So hopefully that will support you and other listeners.
4: Okay, perfect. I, I will certainly look at the newsletter. You probably realize while we were speaking that there is still space for improvement in that sense. (laughs) I'm motivated, I'm confident that by practicing, I may be able to improve this behavior as well.
1: Brilliant, Giorgio, thanks so much for your time.
4: Thank you for inviting me, I mean for discussion.
3: America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try.
2: Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn.
0: Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit CarolCoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy.
1: Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. That last audio interview you heard with Giorgio was done a couple years back. And Giorgio um, is just this lovely gentleman I got to work with. And one of the things that he struggled with that he talked about in the audio uh, recording that many clients struggle with is this thing called the downward inflection. This is when your voice. Let me give you the opposite explanation, the opposite is doing the upward inflection. So it sounds like everything is a question. So if I was introducing myself, I might sound like this. Good afternoon. My name is Amy Carroll. I'm a coach and trainer. And you're thinking, I don't know, sweetheart, are you? So this is one of the fastest ways for us to sabotage our credibility is using too much of this upward inflection Now, a little side note, people do it because they want to sound approachable and friendly, except many people overdo it. And Giorgio, being a really nice guy, used to overdo it. So he's still working on that, or he was at the time. I should call him and find out how he's doing. (laughs) Spot check, coaching. And the... Um, if you want to know more about this, there's a couple of ways that you can hear about it. You can go to my website and check out newsletter number 42, where I talk about it in much more detail. I give some examples and there's some interesting videos to watch that are not, they don't include me. And then there's a podcast I did demonstrating the downward inflection. I can't remember which Number the podcast is so just look for the title that says downward Inflection. and then you can hear me doing it some more. So the um, the next thing I want to tell you about is this uh, a, a recommendation I have is a book from Susan Jeffers. So Susan Jeffers wrote this book that I I think it's pretty famous. A lot of people know it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm going to read for you a couple of things from her book that I have found really um, inspiring. She And here's one of them is that every time you encounter something that forces you to handle it, your self-esteem is raised considerably. You learn to trust that you will survive no matter what happens. And in this way, your fears are diminished immeasurably. And that, before I read uh, some bits from Susan's book, uh, that connects to me about this very um, movie from years ago with George Clooney called We Three Kings. I think it was Desert, Desert Storm. And he's sending out this guy to the battlefield who's probably barely 18 years old and maybe has not lived had a lot of exposure in life and been a bit sheltered. And the kid is a nervous wreck. And George Clooney says to the kid, he says something like, you're scared, aren't you, kid? And the kid goes, yeah, 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 I am. And the kid's like, oh, great. I'm going to get a pep talk from George Clooney. You know, this will be just what I need. And George Clooney's character says, well, something like, uh, well, tough, because you got to go out there and fight before you get the confidence, kid. Confidence comes later. And for me, that is so telling because so many people, many of my clients, they want the confidence first and then they'll do the scary thing, except really that doesn't count because it's not so scary because you've got the confidence. So the whole idea is this willingness to be scared, this willingness to hold the fear and the discomfort while still doing that challenging thing. So some inspiration from Susan. Let's see, page 22. The fear will never go away as long as I continue to grow. Oh, great. (laughs) Because one of my um, things that I get inspiration with in life is to always keep growing and learning. So now I'm thinking, oh, right. okay. so if that's the case, then I have to accept the fact that I will um, always be out of my comfort zone. And then the next one is this. I suggest that each day you do something that widens your space for you. Call someone you're intimidated to call. Buy a pair of shoes that cost more than you would ever pay in the past, as long as you have the budget. Ask for something you want that you've been too frightened to ask for. Take a risk a day, every day. One small, bold stroke that will make you feel great once you've done it. Even if it doesn't work out that you, you don't get what you wanted to, at least you tried. At least you practice. You didn't sit back. You weren't powerless. Watch what starts to happen when you expand your comfort zone. So this is one of the things I do regularly is I look for scary things, whether it's talking to a stranger in French on the train, because sometimes that feels intimidating for me, or um, let's see, what was in, something I, I did? I... I um I asked somebody, you know, this this woman sitting next to me, if she'd like to have a meal together, a couple of back before COVID, you know, so looking for these little opportunities to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. And I want to now take a moment to play for you the third recording. This is with Agnieszka and Agnieszka, um, well, I'm going to let it speak for itself. Um, she, she pulled it all together. So let's see what she has to say about the benefit of practicing on a regular basis, these skills. Today, I'm speaking with Agnieszka Wojneska, And Agnieszka is a program manager at a large investment bank in Poland. Welcome, Agnieszka. Hello, Amy.
3: Good afternoon. Good to be here with you.
1: Yes, and I understand that you have a recent partner-in-action success story to share with us. Let's hear it.
3: Yes, indeed. I wanted to share a story about my recent success. Okay. I was invited to a recruitment process for a new company. The recruitment process took three meetings with different people. Okay. They were all face-to-face meetings. During those meetings, I used some of the techniques that I learned during the course in November when we met. hmm And I wanted to tell you about it. Okay, let's hear it. And I'm very curious to know what impact it had. Yep. So the position I was applying for required ability to present in front of a group of people, explain things, and get their buying. Okay. During the interview, I was using gestures to visualize what I was talking about. Okay. I was showing that I'm in control of what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that I'm convinced I'm saying the right things, Uh-huh. that I know what I'm talking about, and that I'm sure I will get there by in
1: Okay. So you were really illustrating the exact skills you would need for the role. Yes, indeed. Okay. Did the job that you were interviewing for, does it also include managing people? Yes, indeed. Okay. So I'd be curious to know what other skills you were using that impact that as well. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So you were using gestures. What else did you do? I was adopting a posture of my body.
3: I was leaning back with a comfort and a confidence
1: that I know uh, what I'm talking about. Am I guessing right that you were sitting back in your chair, taking up space and projecting that sense of ease and comfort and confidence?
3: Yes. I was sitting back in the chair, taking space and making a, giving a feeling that I'm in the right place, in the right position. I know what I'm talking about and I'm confident. Wow. Fantastic. What else? I was also letting others to interrupt me really? when I started. I stopped or fought my natural ability <laughs> to try to speak faster and faster. I like that, my natural
1: ability. <laughs> was that hard for you to do? Because it was in interviews, it tends to be a stressful situation for us. Is that something you were practicing before the interview? Or did you just say in that moment, I'm going to just practice? I did. I did practice it for a couple of months already.
3: Okay. And I started to notice that it's bringing a
1: lot of benefits. Uh-huh. Tell us about that. What else have you noticed? So I'm, I'm guessing when you say that you resist the temptation to interrupt others, to let yourself be interrupted, and then speaking more slowly. Yes. Like when I'm hearing you now, you're just adding all these fabulous pauses and it's really allowing it time for the conversation to flow. Yes.
3: I was training during low stress situations, usually at home uh-huh. for a couple of minutes. Okay. I tried every day. It didn't work every day. <laughs> anyway, I tried.
1: I you practiced consistently. You didn't give up, especially when it didn't work. That's powerful. Enough.
3: Yeah. And after a couple of weeks, I started to notice that it's really bringing
1: benefits and value. And were you also practicing this approach of not interrupting others and letting yourself be interrupted in the work environment as well?
3: Yes, indeed. I practice it with my manager.
1: Brilliant.
3: He's a man. I'm a woman. My feeling is that he hears much more what I'm saying right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm much more
1: successful convincing him to my arguments. Wow. And when you said he's a man, I'm a woman, are you referring to the fact that it seems that research implies or shows that women speak a lot more? And by you tailoring that and being more conscientious about your content and your, what you're sharing, that's part of what's benefiting that exchange and getting that buy-in from your boss.
3: Yes, indeed. That's what I mean. He started to notice That I'm speaking less. I think of what I speak. Uh I don't flood him with amount of words.
1: Yeah, it's less overwhelming. And you're making his job easier to capture your message by giving more concise information and messaging. Indeed. Oh, well done.
3: It works. It really works.
1: I recommend testing
3: and trying. And I have to ask you, did you get the job? I did. Ah, oh, excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm very much convinced that this gestures, my posture
1: and pausing made a difference. Wow, that's brilliant to hear. It's a really direct association to a success. I can see why this has been a success for you. <laughs> hey, listen, Agnieszka, before I let you go, I have one last question. What is one tip you would offer to listeners? For stepping into partner. Observe yourself and ask others
3: for feedback. Uh-huh. How they see you, how they understand you, and what's their perception of your behaviors. Wow,
1: that is powerful. And it's scary to do. It's scary for a lot of us. Even for me to ask someone who... I'm going to make sure I'm going to ask someone who I, I will be honest with me. I have a couple of really good friends who they're going to really speak their truth. And it's not always easy for me to hear. So (laughs) I want to make sure I'm fed and watered beforehand.
3: (laughs) Indeed. The moment you start, you can see the benefits very quickly. Fantastic. Agnieszka, thanks so much for
1: your time today.
3: Thank you, Amy. I'm glad I could share my
1: story. So for me, something that... I found very interesting. And I think that uh, Susan Jeffers also talks about this is the importance of asking for feedback from others. You can give them that feed forward formula from Marshall Goldsmith, what worked well, even more effective when it makes it easier for them to give you specific feedback. And when you practice consistently, you increase your skills. When you're Practicing will enable you to reclaim and strengthen your confidence so you'll be better prepared for unforeseen and new challenges going forward. And when you take on your next challenge, maybe that imposter may reappear. So now you don't have to panic because you know it might appear and you know what to do and how to handle it. Now, my call for action over between now and the uh, next couple of days, I'm going to encourage you to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can do that via email. And that way, I will have them. I'll be able to share them on air and perhaps discuss them and give input and suggestions. And this is the thing we can also learn from your successes So maybe you've got something that you're feeling like a fraud about and you decide to tackle it. Be sure to let me know about it because I'd love to hear what you did and to share your success with listeners. If you're game for it, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat from today's show. Feel free to connect with me there and also on any of my social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. And again, check out my website, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. And you're going to be able to get access to the newsletters there and to the videos and other resources to help you boost your confidence going forward in 2021 and beyond. Thank you listeners for tuning in. You've been listening to partner up with Amy Carroll on the voice America business channel. Be sure to tune in next week. And in the meantime, Happy partnering, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.